Hello everyone, I'm pleased to welcome you to Curious K Podcast. Uh, my name is Colapo and I'm your host. Uh, we want to say a big thank you to everyone that is listening to the show across the world and really appreciate the reviews. If you're joining us for the first time, Curious K Podcast is a show uh, where we meet with amazing startup founders and key players working to make entrepreneurship thrive, not just in Nigeria, but across Africa. Uh, this week we're having startup ecosystem leader in Nigeria, tech ecosystem. Uh, I call him Mr. Banks. <laughs> His name is Bankwale Oloran Toba. He's the CEO of the Nigeria Climate Innovation Center, NCIC, uh, which is a World Bank and Federal State Innovation Center. Uh, he has a deep background in innovation management and investment. He is also the honorary consul of Finland, Nigeria, and interestingly, uh, is the first youngest individual to occupy such a position uh, in Finland. In Finland, embassies its creation in in 2012 uh, in Nigeria and West Africa. Uh, in 2014, uh, Bankole founded the network of incubators and innovators in Nigeria called Nine, and he was also the founding uh, manager of Aspire. Bankole for for joining us on the show today. All right, thank you very much, Kolakwa. Um, um, thank you very much for everyone who's listening from everywhere across the world. Um, we're um, continue to follow Curious K and uh, we continue to listen to amazing person. So I'm really glad to be here and I look forward to this very interesting conversation. All right. Yeah, thank you once again for joining us. So I would like to start with... Uh, with your work at NCIC, can you just give a background to uh, what you're doing? What is what you're doing at the National Climate Innovation Center? What is driving your effort, and what are your goals for leading this kind of organization in Nigeria? Okay, um, thank you. So um, the NCIC is called the Nigeria Climate Innovation Center. And it's part of a network of other CICs across uh, you know. Well, the NCIC is called the Nigerian Climate Innovation Center, and it's based in the Lagos, you know, in the Panaf- uh, you know, the, the Atlantic University campus um, in Lagos State. That's the Aja campus where you find the pre- the prestigious LBS. Um, the NCIC is, is part of a network of other CICs. Um, across emerging markets and developing countries, um, so you so you find the first one ever was based in Kenya, and then you have Kenya, Ghana, Ethiopia, South Africa. Um, I think one is in Morocco, Nepal, and Vietnam. And these different CICs all are based are task on the same thing: one, to develop the ecosystem on the growth of a green economy in each of their countries. Two, to facilitate the growth of ventures, either through innovation or SME-driven, um, you know, around building a better of service providers or businesses and solutions that can scale within the country. And also three, to be able to support, you know, other le- levels of infrastructure around the growth of green economy. Um, so keep all these things around. This basically for us is focused on about three major you know, um, strategy objectives. Um, venture building is one of them. Um, anchoring the ecosystem is another. Facilitating foreign direct investment around green, you know, green green investments into the country, um, you know, is about the three major strategy objectives that we have for the NCIC. So my job constantly, first of all, was to set up the NCIC, which, which we have. Um, also to recruit a very brilliant, you know, marvelous team, mentor these teams, guide them, you know, help them understand how the green economy works. And also begin to create, you know, programs and projects that can, first of all, keep the center alive and at the same time help to achieve all the different objectives that has been set for the center. So one, staying sustainable um, and, and uh, profitable, if, if you want to use that word, so that we don't go around begging for money every day is one thing. 
because again, the NCIC is sort of a bit different from other CICs, whereby the initial, um, you know, setup grant or, you know, that was needed for the NCIC was used for the technical side of the NCIC. And so all levels of investment grants, again, you have to find it as, as, as you know, as the CEO. Um, so, so, you know, building my team, thinking around the strategy part of the NCIC, managing partnerships, um, also looking at the different products that we're supposed to sell within the NCIC. By these products now, I mean services. Um, so for, we, within the NCIC, we do, you know, partnerships on different levels research-related partnerships, you know, we've, we've, you know, we've done a few research or studies for organizations such as the UNDP, um, um, All On also, you know, we're doing a program also, you know, around, around you know, with All On around venture building. So we do, um, you know, studies in that light. We also, we also do project implementation partnerships. Um, we do, you know, incubation programs. So currently with the All On group, All On is a shell impact investment company. We run the um, incubation, the pre, you know, the early stage incubation uh, venture development program in partnership with All On. That has been going on for about three years now, and we are moving on to the fourth year, which is sort of like the final year. And also, we run a couple of circular economy programs um, around project implementation partner. We partner with the Dutch government on on setting up the, on creating the first circular economy hackathon in Nigeria. Um, you know, in partnership with the likes of Nigerian breweries, farm port, uh, you know, nutri nutritional generation, and um, uh, uh, I can't remember what the fourth country was, and you know, company was. But those were the kind of people that you know, those are the kind of things that we have been doing, or and also engaging with the likes of government, UN, um, you know, AFDB and Co. in charting, you know, thoughts around policy policy development for the growth of a green economy. Um, and also a circular economy in Nigeria, and then facilitating trade here and there, you know, around uh, businesses um, in the in the areas of investments and uh, you know project project development. So um, and then being you know that alone is what my everyday work looks like at the NCIC. All right, amazing. Uh, th thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, you're doing a lot in terms of venture building, uh, and something you mentioned that also strike me was your, your partnership with, with All On. Uh, so mm. if you can tell us more about the businesses you've encountered so far, and when when exactly did you start running NCIC, and uh, what what do you think about the existing business landscape of the entrepreneurs playing in the space uh, of green? Uh, of circular economy in Nigeria. What, what is that like to you when you came in? Uh, what can you talk about the tra tra trajectory so far to now? Um, I will say that um, the green economy um, is a little bit more tangible than the, than the digital economy. You know, when it comes to finding entrepreneurial, um, you know, you know uh, innovations within that space. So the green economy is not saddled with what you can do, but what you have already and, and what you're doing. Um, so uh, not like the digital economy is not, you know, tangible, you know, in terms of production, because again, there's a, there's a thin line, you know, between tangi you know, tangibility and intangibility within the digi digital world. Uh, but within the green space, it is very, very tangible in the, in the sense that we need to see something. There must be a particular, because again, this economy is driven largely by, physical technologies right um a lot of you know a lot a, a lot of science goes into this you know physics science uh, you know but you know biology chemistry name it quite a number of these things go through these different aspects of um you know of uh, green economy so um if you're trying to build a, a venture in this light first of all for us it must be a technology that is functional currently at the current market for nigeria so there's a difference between wanting to create something that is top over the moon and something that it is market ready. So we don't face some of the challenges we faced at the earlier time of the, you know, digital, you know, you know innovation um, ecosystem when people just wanted to build things that the market were not ready for. Um, so around this side, we try to define what, you know, green innovation means based on the knowledge of the markets that they are supposed to use. So which is why we say that the green market is broken into different phases. So there's the bottom of the pyramid phase where you need basic 
you know, you know, you know, innovation to be able to handle the challenges that they have. Now, the components around dealing for the bottom of the pyramid is that it needs to be, you know, the business model must factor in the fact that purchasing power is not high, but volume is large. So you need to look at volume over premium in that kind of space, right? And then when you flip it over to the higher engineering type of things like, um, like uh, you know, ship, ship salvaging, like, you know, chemical recycling, like, um, you know, industrial waste, you know, waste management and also recycling or, or compost recycling. You need to also factor in the components of the players within that space. It's, a, it's not a very noisy market. The players are not that large. The volume is not much, you know, is high. And, and so is the premium. But again, the players are not much. And so in that light, that helps you to begin to look at all the different tangibilities of what you can find within that space. Um, so you find those ones who speak mainly within this space. So one thing we'll come to realize again about the green space is that it is finance driven. Mm. So finance driven in the sense that there's so much that has been said about, you know, green economy, you know, climate innovation, climate change, climate mitigation and adaptation. At the core, at the end of all this conversation and this beautiful terminologies is the finance. Um, whereby the finance structures or instruments are not functional in terms of the people or the markets where they are placed, there will be a misnomer, right? In the sense that this finance cannot get to those who need them at that particular time. So being able to first help private sector or, or, or commercial banks understand green finance and how it benefits them, you know, looking at the areas of, you know, uh, green, you know, carbon credits, uh, you know, carbon credit conversion, you know, green, green financing models, you know, access to other, you know, green, green investments and all those different stuff. How do you help them shape that kind of model of being, of them being able to access other funds that are focusing on Nigeria? Because again, the cost of interest rates, most investments around green have been treated like a normal investment, not factoring in the, you know, trying to save the world component of what this green is about. So the green, the green space has that potential of being able to create different multiple, you know, multiple financial models on how, you know, green finances need to be raised because sustainability at the long run is based on you know, the resources that can help to keep that thing sustainable. So resources, again, can be financed, it can be human, uh, but in so many ways, whether human, whether political, whether policy-related or so, it still drives it, it still finds its way somewhere back to finance. So if we can find a way to improve access to finance, um, either through policy or through market policy or through investment policy, or through foreign relations policy or whatever level of policy it is that we can make it happen, then it helps to boost the different scale of activities that you can find within the green space. So the green space is equally sort of like, like your normal economy. Whatever you will find in the fossil fuel driven space, you will, you will equally find the same thing within the green space around legal, around accounting, around financing, um, around ethics and standards, um, you know, around, um, you know, um, you know, financial policies, human rights policies, and, and, and co, you know, so let's, uh, let's just view it from that way. This is an alternative economy that has a potential of becoming a mainstream economy. Hmm. So can, can the green economy, can the world be used interchangeably with circular economy? Uh, or is there like a difference when using those words? So for our listeners uh, to just understand uh, these terms, if you can just shed light into, into that word, circular and green. So um, circular and green are sort of intertwined in such a way because, again, circular is a subset of green. Um, so green economy covers just about everything that creates a sustainable model of, of production, manufacturing, financing, all factoring into the different components of, um, you, know, you know, environmental um, uh, strategy, you know, to create a better place that we live. While circular economy talks about just the recycling side of things that create a circular zero waste model around how things okay. have been done. So there are things around energy. There are some energy that are not waste generated. These ones are directly from the sun, solar. So you cannot call solar a recycled energy. It is a renewable energy, right? Mm, yeah. Right. So solar is classified under renewable energy, right? Renewable energy is classified under green economy. That's one. Um, hydrogen is also there, 
hydrogen is equally a clean tech, but cannot be put under, you know, can either be a recycled one or can be a renewable one, right? So it is a clean tech. And so when you look at all the different components, right? But again, when you look at the core, you know, a larger percentage of green economy, recycling or creating a loop model around zero waste or net, net zero, like every, almost every development or every European you know, economy is talking about these days, zero waste. It's about creating a manufacturing or a production process whereby there's, there is always a repeatable use of outcomes of whatever resources that have been used until there is zero outcome, right? So if I'm going to use, um, if I'm going to create a plastic cup now, these plastic cups will continue to be used over and over, even after using and we smelt it to become something else. It will still continue, that resources will still continue to be used over till that component of plastic that has been done for that plastic cup, it's of, it's of no more use whatsoever and can create no waste whatsoever. So that's what this, that's what the circular economy is about. So um, you find things like, you know, plastic recycling, car recycling, um, coal recycling. So there's quite a number of recycling things you could do with just about anything, construction recycling. You know, we have not done human recycling yet, but um, I'm sure <laughs> somebody will come up with something. So these are all the components of the whole, you know, of a circular economy, which is a subset of the green economy. So when we use green economy as a total, you know, combination. So if okay. you say green finance, it's supposed to cover everything that is sustainable, right? Okay. So that's how it's supposed to look like. Wow. And um, you mentioned something about plastic recycling. And um, recently, I think the European Union, there was a policy that they are banning all plastic, uh, plastic, maybe one-time use plastic materials in the European Union. And um, if, if you look at Nigeria, for example, there is no time you step out of the street that you don't see plastic littered on the street, nylon bags. I mean, this is a whole lot of opportunity for entrepreneurs. So uh, what, why do you think uh, we don't have enough uh, entrepreneurs or businesses playing in this space? And at what point do you think our economy or policies can evolve to the point where we have those kind of policies that restrict plastic, uh, one-time use of plastic, you know? And there was something that um, we probably have more plastic in the ocean, maybe by in some years down the line, we have more plastic in the ocean even than the fish in the ocean, which is a big challenge, uh, you know, for human, for consumption, because when you eat fish, the, the fish, they've consumed plastic. We are also consuming it. So I'd just like you to talk about, I mean, these opportunities that we have and what can people do? What are maybe some salient opportunities people are not looking at? And what do you think is the best way they can take advantage of this in terms of being a player in the, in the green economy? So... Um... That um, within our own perspective, right, as a nation, or um, I would say that, um, you know, the country itself is doing its best, you know, to, to um, create a process, you know, backed by better policy and also on, um, on how the green economy can take that there are some laws that are backing or the actions that you find a few recyclers, you know, doing for those who are actively playing, playing within the space. And some other factors, you know, around... Um, you know, infrastructure, payments, um, you know, finance, co also, you know, within that. And so there are many things that is really uh, sort of a slow adoption. And then there's the behavior things also attached to it. So this is a multi, you know, like a multi-sided uh, yeah, or rather that challenge that is, that is enabling us to um, achieve that kind of uh, benchmark that other European countries have set. So from that angle, right? So first of all, let's look at it from a behavioral How do we all see plastic currently? Everybody mm. sees plastic as, well, use and dump, waste. So recycling and, and um, you know, use recycle kind of model mm. every, across the board. Everybody just wants to produce, you know, pure water and just throw it. Our numbers are very large. We are largely, if you look at our level of education or our, our level of experience or, or, or exposure in one way or the other about global activities, 
is also not that high, right? If you look at the mass number of uh, pyramid, by bottom of the pyramid now, I mean those those ones who possibly have ticks or a secondary school certification and you know a little bit of that university level not playing at other aspects. And so what you find yeah, here is that the attitude to green as a whole is not not accurate. So let's not take it from a government, you know, from a government perspective also, because again, mm. government is made of human beings, right? right. Um, yeah. so if we want to do comparisons and do benchmarks, let's look at um, these ramifications and all of these, um, you know, models of creating new, new fields. You're still facing the same challenges of plastic, right? Um, Look at the dimension and the matrix of each of have seen that challenges like Brazil is doing a lot when it comes to plastic and recycling. Brazil is still facing a lot when it comes to plastic and recycling. Because as long as there are slums and there are favelas, like they call them within the Brazilian side, you will always have this kind of issue and health related and also you know attitude over some certain things. Um, if you flip Nigeria, India, you look at Mexico. Uh, you know, these are these are the kind of countries that you can relate with each other because we all have similarities. The components of Nigeria compare it with um, the now Norway and coal can be implemented, and you will not be motivated to want to even do more. So, same Norway, right? We just have a high interest, or you know, high interest from at, at a very basic out level. culture for a long time. And even in their verse, as a country of 200 people with about 1,000 tribes and cultures around it. So again, factor. Right. That's not an excuse, but again, we need to drag in, you know, culture. But these are the things that form economic growth. And then if you flip that so, to a country like China, right? China has the numbers. Um, China has the laws, which many times people say China is very entrepreneurial. Just like Nigerians are very, are very, very entrepreneurial. So this is my after looking at all like, the interest around you know plastic from impact perspective to an perspective. I think that you see more Nigerians are faster. Whatever people to receive, you know, renew, reuse, and recycle. Mm -mm. Once you show an average Nigerian that look, once there's like a mass, you know, media, media engagement program selling the beauty side business, everybody becomes, you know, plastic. Now, it could now force people to go out of their way to want to mop up because they water within, they can clear the plastic, they can sell it quickly without having anybody anything. Now, this is the part where. Loma or Lasla, which is the Lagos State, you know, Water Authority comes now. If that, hey, we have an opening. If, if you can apply for permission to to you know clear at no cost. If you have the engine, clear the water yeah, and then market. What I'm trying to say here is that we need to have a different view about how sector so we don't look at it from that aspect of government has to do everything government can create an, an, an enabling law but again or government can make it as open as possible for play slight there is something that the government did called the extended yeah. responsibility program a policy framework sorry and this that every you know related like plastic that is being Whoever produces it is responsible to how it is being, you know, disposed after consumption. Post-consumption uh, of, of liable to it. So that's Coca-Cola is going out to develop a model to be able to mop up all plastics that that you know that they can get their hands to. Coca-Cola went ahead to go and build metric ton plastic recycling center somewhere in Abuja. There is an association called Fibra, Food and Beverage, um, you know, Recyclers Alliance. Because the EPR states that it should not be run by private sector. It should be run not for government, not for profit, and not for government entity, which is why these different alliances came out. There is e-waste, e-waste alliance. There is, uh, you know, Recyclers uh, you know, Association, Metal Scrap, Scrap Association, 
There is the plastic, sorry, Recyclers Association of Nigeria RAN. And beverage association. So the alliances are all there, working with the private sector to be able to. Now, when they are making this, we also have to factor in who is going to get the cost for all these things. And European, many of us are trying to compare Nigeria to a vending machine that collects plastics and paper. Mind you, Norway that have developed a model for their small, you know, Nordic country based on snow and the issues that they have that can keep them another hundred years if none of them work, right? We have we have been plagued with lots of challenges right from when we were being colonized and have even, even up to now. There's more that meets most African, you know, economic issues than, than we can see, you know, from our glaring eye. Which is, which is where international politics and all those different nonsense comes in. But you know, we say, bring a certain number of plastics we will on the spot. This is being run by God. I accountability and transparency in a country like that. And all of us sort of that, you know, that angle in it to play. So, around trying to create a mainstream policy to drive greener. Beyond the law and people jumping at it's been set down. How does it affect all the existing market? People lose their jobs, really lead or that, you know, you know. So um, I think that little with all the player, you know, collaborating and harmonizing knowledge and also building, build, building capacity. You, you, I think in another 10 years, as it is, you know, a major stride when it comes to green economy. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, you, you gave quite a number of examples about Norway. I would also like to talk about Finland, because I know as your role as the Honorary Council of, of Finland to, to Nigeria, uh, and they have uh, one of the advanced circular economy in the world. Do you think there are lessons we can learn? Maybe our entrepreneurs can learn from their ecosystem? Or what do you think is unique? I mean, some value lessons that you think we can pick based on your interactions uh, so far, uh, you know, with the government and the businesses there in Finland, especially? Again, for Finland, as, as you may be aware, I'm the Honorary Council, which, which being, being, being the Honorary Council, that gap between French economy and Nigerian economy from both you know from a from a economic and political point of view and I will say that the adopted country which is Finland is is quite uh, you know a very um, country when it comes to building plan for their people on how to improve uh, you know, access or or be net zero before the before 2050, and this goes into their policy. You know, in every single thing that they do, from financing to even giving out aid. You know, to national um, you know um, development and all those different things. Now, this approach like this is not just a bottom to top approach. Approach because on the highest of government. Pure and a and a strong, you know, circle. So for them, they took circular economy as of their government structure. The type of the countries there, there, there are put there, you know, there are parties that believe in green, like you have in some other countries. You have green parties here and there. Now these parties totally believe other political issues that are going. Believe that playing within the green space and keeping their country alive, and also investing in, in you know, in in um, future technology, them stronger, you know, within the play in the world. Um, so, for Finnish economy, I see that they are very within the climate, you know, within the circular economy because loop method that they have been across the world on how to structural um, circular economy in your country. And so the first okay. loop model was what we took out first. So that loop model tells you that you can keep reusing have through 
different models, right? Looking at manufacturing as a, as a uh, you know, sector. Manufacturing and finance as two of the most critical. While again, government foundation. So with government, we got in at the at the line. Full policies because it's the top of you know the truth is this. there is an accountability policy, policy, and all those. It's not just in the shortest of four years or three years. In things that have been happening over tens of years ago, you know, ever since grouped and you know reclaimed back rights as a as a sovereign country. Um, again, if you flip that around, not really so over here. So, but again, when we look at what the what the Finnish government is doing. Setting or rather, council. They have to make sure that the council is very much in green when it came to you know you know when it when it comes to circular economy related activities and also green related for them also fuels the core strategy of what their country would like to achieve or this government you know you know Finnish government would like to achieve and so when you see that happens that a country that has a model on how strengthening you know, the different circular economy uh, comes out of their countries. Engineering, which are too critical. So looking at the size and the impact of consumption that is having upon you, they're able to create models where companies creating a loop a, or a process whereby when a raw material has been used, it needs to keep within the system until always within that space. And when finance is also raised for long-term investment, it must focus on innovations that are green in nature, from energy, you know, circular can form energy, you know, can form energy. Any other thing can form energy, right? Also looking at all parts of infrastructure, you know, around food, um, you know, as well as even fashion, you know, on that aspect. But the most interesting thing, me is that whole top to bottom understanding of what definitely yeah, we have people who say ah that's just another when you look at all that done, again government has invested quite a lot in economy um the fdb's uh, um fund partial investment of the finnish government up to a couple of you know million you know tens of millions of dollar uh you know euros wow. Amazing. 20, 20, 20 or so. 20 that goes into that same fund. Um, so, for again, for the Finnish government, they had to look at institutional approach to things, you know, and how you know, things can be grown. Um, if we had a more structured economy policy or a green agency or a commission that's focused on green or an agency that's focused on green in this country, looking at all the ramifications of green economy, then we shall of being able to engage those who are interested in any country. So this doesn't take away the powers of of uh, environmental ministry or power ministry. But rather this green agency should be looking at the you know, all the different laws and regulations that have done around green. And who and who is playing within that space. It really don't have anything to push for the green of the in this country so these are the kind of things that uh, you know that we can learn from the Finnish government and the Finnish government I've learned a little bit of that loop program at the beginning of the NCIC you know where you know the loop model policy handbook from the Finnish government which again if you go to their website you can find you know you can find that same handbook that the, you know, the loop policy like government. So um, I enjoy that. If anybody else can find it, you know, finish you can see all the different interests that you can see. Um, the Finnish government has got an innovation called Citra, right? And Citra is focused on investing futuristic tech, you know, and also futuristic technologies. Again, that's the quality from the top to bottom up. We don't have to be the first financiers, but we can always co-finance.
that is going to improve the future. Yeah. Now, now, if you understand us also, you will know that the Finnish economy is very strong innovation and technology. So innovation. That economy, you know, that government is very strong. Finland, Nokia, and Nokia, mm. phone, also into telephony, into into data, into infrastructure, communication infrastructure, communications, and other forms of, you know, you know, innovation playing within that space. And again, power generates a lot out of out of these things, right? How many of these things affect the, you know, the environment? You looking at that. When you look at you know future you know you know futuristic also, um, is very strong when it when it, when it comes to five G, right? They were they were who also helped us you know get the Wi Fi and also strengthen Wi Fi. Finnish country you know Finland, but we have gone when it comes to technology, and so we see Nigeria that space because. This, you know, this so, sort of part, right? You see, what is happening in Nigeria currently is that we are building technology and not an innovation based on how functional it is for our country, not because another country is building. So that's the first line of, of um, innovation. Look, it is beneficial for your and you all for the, you know for the terrain, the people, and culture where you're in, and you, you focus your innovation for that line. So. That you know, that connect between the name. All right, thank you for that. So, so that takes me to uh, it would be great to have your perspective on you know the Nigerian tech ecosystem over the years. Uh, uh, I know you you founded Nine uh, in twenty fourteen, so you've had over ten years in this space, and uh, as a thought leader. Mm. I'd just like to hear from you. I mean, what do you think has been the growth over the years? I mean, if we can talk about talent, funding, and innovation hubs spreading across just over the years. So I think that the tech sector to see its role clearly currently now. When the whole digital space, the whole tech innovation thing was becoming mainstream in Nigeria between 2010 and 2015, or rather 2020 rather, what we yeah, there were just lots of people who were so crazy about the crazy things they when it comes to build. Everybody wanted to build like everything, right? Mm-hmm. Say between 2010 yeah, and 2015, right? Everybody wanted to build an app. They believed that an app could have solved everything. All competitions were just about apps. Interventions and co were just about apps, apps, apps. Which I will only say that I all what they could see. And I mean, that was how far they could see. But for many of us, we got to understand that talent will be the main core of how we can grow, right? Access to finance is another major thing. Then research and back technologies. How is economic And that's what we're seeing. That was why, again, when someone like Flutter will support for, you know, for transactions, Minds mean that we can actually transact rely on the banks. So this is how you, uh, you know, you know, built up or, or right. you found you this, you know, you know this, and because of the banks decided to tighten their loose ends, well, to get a few things tightened, like um, you know, um, you know, for you to player, you know, they made it a bit. High on the high end, so that not everybody can be able to. Yeah. But what the banks still understand is that because the world has now seen Nigeria's nation tech player that has quite a number and has, will find an investor faster to be able to pay that 25 billion or billion that they have for can, can, can understand. So <laughs> with Nigeria having group. You know, that part where we're all making us about oh nobody's answering us when it comes to finance and investment to Nigeria now becoming the investment destination when it comes to fintech in Africa. I think that they that we have moved forward. So at this point, we are slowly getting closer to India. So in the past 10 years, if you look at Silicon Valley on you know, Indians and Chinese 
a group of people who have understood that skill skill sets will leave them out of faster than even building apps and prototypes because when you build the when you when you improve the number of people who who develop tech, technology not just apps now when you improve the number of people said they'll go ahead to you know the ripple effect in new skill set and they can go ahead much more and get finance because again a few of them would will move product to finance and that's where you begin to see the likes of me and co you know, having to be the ones tapping at the key, trying to you know ensure that the best models are being designed, right. And then you can who who are also looking at government side of things. You like people like Desa from Joss, uh, you know, from Plateau State and Co. Um, uh, also looking at the government side of things to be able to help the government understand ensure that look, I can. Plateau State is going yeah. in the next 10 years. If they allow DESA do the Plateau State will become that silicon plateau that I've been, to, I've been talking about because there are lots of kids in Plateau State who are providing freelance services across, but you will not hear noise about them because again, Plateau is a small town to live. So, again, you see many of them are based in Plateau. Life in Plateau is easy, cost of living is low, but they're providing services for court. In uh, in South Africa, in US, in UK, and lots of services to lots of people, and they don't have to leave Plateau State. Why that kind of access to foreign finance will help to improve the lives of people and standard of living over there. So we should look at from many, you know, many areas. I think that between 2010 and now, I think Nigeria has moved a lot because look at the figures of investment, you see that Nigeria so far contribute, you know. How much? I think thirty percent or so of level of investment that's been happening across, and so that shows you that a lot of you, you know, interest in the Nigerian, not just because of the skill set of the consumerism. Because again, the Nigerian economy is is um, is consumer centered, meaning we are interested in purchasing than even producing. You know, sorry, produce. You see, lots of people are really interested in coming to. Because of that size, so I think that Nigerian, uh, you know, startup community has, has also understood now that, but is really being able to integrate system and disrupt that system. Now that's how you make money out of the Nigerian tech sector. So you see the one, focus on to buy off the microfinance bank because they want to provide a digital banking for new for new generation bankers like. That bank, uh, um, you know, like Kuda, like V Bank, and you know, Piggy, Piggy Vest. Many of them, if you look at the bank, they have microfinance, microfinance. a billion era or two billion, like what, like five million dollars, three billion dollars. So imagine if someone gives them an investment of ten million dollars, they would do back end, and then they continue to improve on that policy, and you know. Infrastructure need to have around because this, these guys are no more tech companies, they are now becoming a technology company. So, again, they are to the you know, the financial company as well as tech. As we moving forward, we'll see in the next in the, in the next 10 a large number, a growing number, an increasing at a base number of developers and also. You know, within within every line, and the role of AI and, and um, IoT, well, you know, mainstream. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that. So, uh, I would just like to, to talk. I would like to talk more about talent. Like, how can we ramp up talent development? People uh, with technical skills. And I would also like to know: Are you not worried that most of these investments are? Are from international investors. Why don't we have more local investors playing in this space? Is that not worrisome that we don't we we don't have local people that are more active in the space? Because if all these investments are coming from from Europe, 
US, Asia. I mean, by the time we sell out, I mean, it's not like it's still our own because some of these companies end up having their headquarters outside Nigeria. Is that not worrisome? What do you think can be done about that uh, to improve that perspective? And I would also like to talk more about how we can, you know, advance talent development pipeline uh, generally. Okay, so um, take that issue of, I mean, bros, if we don't have, how do we own? It's as simple as that, right? So if our local investors are still playing safe. Which is still not a bad strategy. Because in Nigeria, I mean, if you look, there is no, there is no bad to just about anything, right? On Look at the foreign capital, which, which again are being raised by Nigerians. If our own local economy is not strong enough to be able to lift, our investments. What, what do our investors do? They need to with foreign investors to get. So there's those funds day to day can grow in strength and then the long solely in Nigerian businesses. In the world is a global village. Why do you want to be the one to own everything and raise finance from just about anywhere of anybody who is ready to do that? Um, so which is why you see Nigerian investors rely on to get access investors across the globe right and and investors across the globe are looking for new uncharted territory and also bear the cost because they have enough you know for them to play which enough for us to do in currently nobody stage incubation so that in in case they fail let's just give them 10 10k dollars every year in case they fail but Look at everybody who are funded and see where their finance is coming from. One extra foreign finance that helps them to of of that fund, right? So it's about thousand dollars, only eight per year. Now all one is putting that full that with that eight to make a lot of senses to be able to graduate. The bigger picture of a hundred thousand dollar investment. This needs this needs a little bit of time. It's not just a one-off. And then tomorrow, in three days' time, you know, you can come and compete with the hundred k stuff. It's going to help you build your business. Managing the ten k is something totally different. And all the different gaps when it comes to finance, you will not blame Nigerian investors. They need to hedge their funds. When they have a foreign investor, also as a co-financer, it makes their life very, very easy. So I think that there's nothing wrong in, in what is happening now across the world. I think that it just acts. This is what we have found ourselves. And I think that our own private investors are also being smart. They can't just put all their investment into this place, right? No. Likely not going to be insurance, you know, insuring the $1 million that they're on success insurance. You know, how, how do you... That. But again, you go to Europe, you go to US, start something very small because the standard of living and and access to finance as in that side of labor. Someone starts a program, something million dollars, and then three months later tells you that he has gone. The guy is good, you cannot touch him. He's part of the clauses of the investor. Nobody's going to kill you. Nobody's going to go and piss your body somewhere or shoot you in the head. To ask yourself, right, what if real cost of investment? Our laws and regulations also doesn't support or back people who have invested up to a certain amount. The Nigerian Deposit Insurance Company, you know, you know, corporation, how does non-bank investment, right? African Guarantee Fund or whatever funds we have, how do they look at local investment? These are some other things you need to look at. Um, that's what we find. I, I think, think there's nothing wrong in foreign people, you know, coming to put money into us. I think for us, smart enough to make sure that foreign foreign investors that we need to raise more funds from there. Now they are to fund African ventures. You can see, it, uh, yeah, in really leading that um, African venture fund, uh, you know, from his own side. The same, this is your guy.
you know, Boston, Tijani, and Co. And quite a number of them are doing that. So our own role is to for more on in you know, particularly in the in the you know in the God's own country itself, Nigeria, and how we can make things better. Aspect of um, you know scaling up development skills. I think that skills increase. That we are taking it from one perspective, and we are not going very deep into how things should be done. Let me borrow a excuse me. A plant from Desa from Plateau State. So this called the Kepler or something project. I can't remember the name now. It was he asked me a question. He says, "See, do you think we need to go to get people prepared for IT revolution in Nigeria?" Yeah. I say, "Well, if it's left for me, I will say we go as low as primary school and let's start teaching them design thinking. Um, you know, we move away from the." Of what we're doing, and started them design thinking. You know, electronic robot things, and you know, in yeah. their vocation. Um, uh, a little bit further down, we begin to give these kids the basics of motherboard, all these different things that fuel chips, and all the different fuel any digital transfer them from that level, they, come up, they begin to learn coding and programming, all those basic programming languages and all those, uh, those different stuff. So it's, for me, it was where we should start from. But again, Desa decided to take it from secondary school and say, see, what if we have a secondary school, you know, component and from the, when you enter just one, you begin to teach of all these things that you have said up to when you enter second university. So that by the time you are going to university, Skill set, the digital skill set that if you like, you go and read your medicine law. It doesn't shake anybody. You can go and read, read your medicine, but you have an understanding of Python or of a, a, um, you know Java. You have all those different backend. You can choose whatever program you want to play with. You have these basic skills so that when you, things like building website or building an app, building all these things is already taken care of. If you want to be the guy that repairs, that remodel, that refurbish, um, you know, equipment, down that line. So you see that you are creating. don't have to create, right? These things from people who have finished university that their mindset are already done. Make money. They're not ready to listen to anything. <laughs> you know, that will not work. These people. <laughs> The sweet and, and the more creative way to make sitting behind the desk. That's why you see a large number of them will hook up to you know reality TV shows, you know, will go for you know reality competitions or all those different competitions because they know head forward for like 30 days, 90 days, I'll be free, I can be a star, I can become a billionaire, I can become this, 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 this. If you look at all those other countries that all of us have been trying to compare, if you look at the curriculum on technology development, it goes all the way. Hmm. And they promote things like design thinking, you know, uh, you know quantitative now, analysis, management. You know what does it mean? No, what's that stupid thing in some Nigerian? Cotran uh, and <laughs> no, yeah, computer science courses. Nobody's teaching you that nonsense anymore. In fact, you can. Class, you must be good at mathematics. Like mathematics is critical skills, very very critical. Mathematics is critical. Mathematics, then you can begin to start doing data management. Add Python to it to be able to analyze infographics to represent the data. So at the yeah. end, if we take capacity building or this skill development, a plan and say for a plan, take. You have a 10 year plan to be able to build capacity in Nigeria. I won't start from you know, university people. Don't focus about them. They can catch up with me. It's none of my business. I'll leave everybody else to be dealing with them. I'll focus on primary schools, right? Say primary schools. I'll focus on local languages teaching. Now, I'll rather teach 
basic programming and design things. If you are, that's that's how I'm going to run it. I'm going to teach wow. in Igbo, basic programming in Igbo language. That, that that boy that you think is very dope that works in the village that can put up that can fabricate uh, car and all those things. That guy is not stupid now. It's just that we're not using the right tools to teach him. Programming in, in our local languages. Now, tell me how does a Japanese that does not speak English become a master hacker that an English-speaking... <laughs> don't teach this stuff in English. They, they, they don't. How does a kid from India that reads Sanskrit still become a fantastic programmer without having to buy English? The same thing with the Arabs. The same thing with Chinese. How come able to develop having to use that term? English is actually a limiting language. It's a trading language. So if we take it all the way, I want to go to a to a community now, a Kitty, and I want to teach them basic design thinking. I should be teaching it, I should be teaching it in that they are a language. Village boy will understand how a car moves in his language. He can understand how this rockets propel. He can understand what these components are in different languages. For, this is for me the best way. If we're going to develop a 20-year plan of scaling digital skills in Nigeria, this is how we should do it. Let's this, you see this secondary school guys, this uh, university guys, they will find a way, they will find a way to enter one hub or do some online courses and they will learn basic basic this. They are not our priority. Our priority primary we get we need to simplify that curriculum to as playful as nothing. We all see it as a to, to just do toys and then show you that hey Lego is toy. But you see Lego called Lego serious play, where they mm. use Lego to be things for robotics. Yeah. Exactly. So right. you can gamify knowledge. You can not doesn't have to be read, 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 do exam. For instance, I like the school where my kids are going to, they don't do exam. They don't do uh, what they read you according to who is the first, who is the second. Because that, my French, that, it doesn't. <laughs> there are lots of kids who came up from primary school, they're very fantastic. Secondary school, they're very fantastic. University, they're very fantastic. But when you just by the terms of, of social growth and, and success, you cannot connect them. Their mind is wired towards academic and then, you know, to excel. Any perspective. They will have been super successful. When someone helps them to see that your academic mind can equally be a mind, because if you look at these other countries, lots of academics who are equally the progenitor of of some of some level we hear about back into power, all these other popular apps and platforms that you all hear about. These are academics. They own their they, they own their intellectual property rights, and they are made. They will just go about teaching. And sharing knowledge till more and more people will go into that in line. So, in building capacity for Nigeria, it's not it's not a two year plan. It's not by government. You're not doing enough. It's by the government. Just retract step bit and let's focus on the younger ones and let's build a watertight and a very interesting one. Right? We can leverage it in, alongside air. But we are focused on the next set of Nigerians that right? build them from primary school and secondary school. That. Yeah, okay, once you once then in another 10 years in primary one, we'll have probably enter secondary school and their mindset are not this thing. Government is saying that even if government keeps doing all their all their funny policies, around those policies. Now, these ones are the Nigerians that have digital mindset. <laughs> like a Nigerian, but they have a different mindset totally. And which meant many people might need trouble before it's just I think that that's that's amazing. I mean, looking at the fact that uh, our population is going to double by by twenty fifty. Twenty fifty. 
yeah, how do you create jobs? Yeah, how do we create jobs? And by uh, 2100, we'll be like over 700 million people. So, I mean, so that's uh, maybe the third most populated country in the world. I mean, so, I mean, uh, we oh, have... Don't worry, we are all, we are all running everywhere in the world. So, don't worry, the world will handle the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, all right. Amazing. Yeah. So, as, as, as we run, I'm just like you to talk about how, how do you think, like, uh, ops, innovation uh support organizations how do you think uh we can deepen collaboration based on your uh experience founding nine what led to founding nine and uh, just some ideas about what do you think we can do to deepen collaboration better uh nationally and internationally it would be great yeah it would be great to um, hear your insight in nigeria really need to model i mean it's no more business as usual seriously space for like only god knows nobody funds hubs operation nobody right so hubs should be also as a business able to provide businesses beyond just capacity building to communities where they are based right hubs need to start themselves as excellence we need to pursue you know things right all the different hubs and see using the same model five years ago and what has changed the hubs that are tying up on better relationships in trying to share knowledge and also share policies or business models, hubs themselves need to start adopting a research model to how activities in Nigeria. Um, I think are not and they are really just waiting for someone to be able to fund them to be able to do much. Uh, but I think also that if you look at the com- the composition of play. You need to take the matrix of what the challenges are with play. Model around it. Financial component. And then help that to scale example of the Nigerian Climate Innovation. We know that access to finance is a very big problem. What did we do? We looked for a partner. We said, look, in this space is or this app, this XYZ. You can't see the app. It's just one one app document, nothing physical, so it may be hard for you. But from our solar panel XYZ, solar panel XYZ, and how we place it in the market, what is the business model like, and, and how does it grow? So we went to sign up a pro to flag up a pilot of 500 million naira access to finance credit. That's one. We are also looking at it, create a finance. You know, we can become co financers when it comes to early stage investments. So, if we leverage a lot of 10k investment, we can also dangle a 50k investment around the face of the people that collect 10k so that they can be able to move about that and then we can see how that will lead to several other investments. You need to invest more in this fund so that they can continue the cost of. So, in all in all, Really beyond to just incubate, right? That model, even if you're incubating, what exactly do you have? What capacity do you have at the back of your head to be able to ensure that your incubation program goes well? Incubation program or scaling program will rather groups of who can share financial resources, share uh, human resources, who can share uh, tech technology resources. So these are the kind of things hubs really need to look at and look at how they can tie all those things that, you know, all those components to be able to form the strength of it. Same time, leverage on, leverage on um, um, research and, and knowledge survey to be able to back. So again, the world is moving from just saying this is a pain, a pain-inspired, um, you know, tech, tech technology. The world wants to see what is the science behind it. Up in different other markets, and that scaling up means including investment. Is asking you that what is the science behind this, and you cannot then it becomes a problem. So, for that investment, how do they ensure that this science belongs to us? We protect our interests by you know registering or trademarking this science, or are we borrowing someone so we don't go and start investing? And then one guy wakes up and says, Hey, 
that's my science because I have to write for it and that's us a lot of money. So we really have to look at partnership from just finance and look at partnership also from different perspectives. Being able to tie in partnerships on sides to uh, you know global to tie in local partnerships as possible. One, I think hubs look at themselves according to. So if a hub in Abuja now wants to run a project that they think can benefit up to a thousand people, why can't you sign up partnerships across Nigeria to have a you know number, and then you carry your own strength and the strength of the people that you're working. Push for a funding of that kind of ten thousand project, right? But nobody is trying to sign up local partnership. Everybody's looking for partnership. I want local partners come up together and form a project. It will help them have access to finance, having to want to do all these things by themselves. Um, and this again is what can strengthen foreign partnerships. So I'll leave it at that. All right. Yeah, thank you very much, Mr. Bakoli, for your time on the show. I mean, thank it's you. been an exciting and insightful conversation. Thank you very mm. much for joining us You're today. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so that's Mr. Bakoli, Lauren Toba. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And please kindly recommend the show to your friends and subscribe to the show wherever you listen or you get your podcast from. And you can also connect with us by writing to Curiosity Podcast at gmail.com see you next time